Welcome to the Sweet Run Podcast, your source for all things running and travel in super fun destinations around the world. We're your hosts, Gerald Mitchell and Natalie Mitchell. We are so happy to welcome Allison Maxis and Gabe Steger to the Sweet Run Podcast. Allison and Gabe are a husband and wife team who own and operate Rogue Expeditions, an adventure and travel company for runners. They create run-centric vacations around the world that accommodate all levels of running, and they go to some amazing locations. In this conversation, we talk about Allison and Gabe's personal running journeys. Allison is a three-time Olympic trials qualifier, and Gabe is an adventurous trail runner, and how they started their own running company. Then we dive into what it's like living in gorgeous Bend, Oregon, including the recommendations for great running routes, dining options, places of interest, and so much more in Bend. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. I love Inside Tracker because as an athlete that wants to perform at my very best, it's critical to know what's going on from the inside, and that's what Inside Tracker provides. They make it so easy, you guys, to just go and get a blood test, and then they put together a detailed analysis of exactly what's going on inside your body and what you need to do to improve. Many times, this is the missing piece of information that so many athletes need to enhance their performance. We take the time to train hard nearly every single day, so it's smart to uncover the details of your body's internal needs. Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science-backed, trackable action plan for reaching your performance goals and being your healthy best. Inside Tracker is offering Sweet Run listeners 25% off the entire store. All you have to do is go to insidetracker.com/sweetrun and get started on changing the way you see the inside of your body. Please enjoy our conversation with Allison Maxis and Gabe Steger. Allison and Gabe, welcome to the Sweet Run Podcast. We're super psyched to have you guys on the show. Thank you. Yeah, to be here. Thanks for having us. We are very excited to learn, you know, about Rogue Expedition and and how you guys got into that and giving us all the the good juice on uh, where to run and, and, and what to do. Well, yeah, but before I wanted to say, so I have been combing through your website and I was trying to figure out like, first of all, we definitely want to come take a trip with you guys. And I was trying to figure out where we wanted to go because all the trips look amazing. So everybody listening, um, Allison and Gabe, like they're going to tell us about it, but they do, they take you through these whole run expeditions and the places that you have to choose from are amazing, like everywhere from Morocco to South Africa to Ireland. So I'm excited. Tell us all about it, like how you guys get started with this awesome business. Oh, gosh. Um, So I'll make it as short as I can. But basically, back in 2012, um, I had just run my first Olympic trials in the marathon in Houston. And so we had kind of planned a vacation for after that. So I had been training, you know, 100 mile weeks and just crazy for a couple of years at that point. So we took a vacation. We ended up going to Morocco, kind of random. Still not quite sure why we decided on Morocco, but that's where we ended up. We weren't really sure, Portugal, Spain. And then we decided Morocco sounded really cool and adventurous. So we went to Morocco. 
Yeah, and we, so we had both done some long-term travel when we were younger, um, separately and together. Gabe lived in South America for a year. We both spent a year in Southeast Asia. And so we kind of done the backpacker long-term travel sort of thing. So this was our first time where we both had real jobs and we had like 10 days to go somewhere. So that's where we ended up. And long story short, we traveled independently all week. And then we ended up meeting this guy, um, a guide, basically kind of a chance encounter who ended up hiring to take us into the desert. Um, because you don't really drive yourself out there. You could, but you get lost for the rest of your life. So we hired this guy named Hamid and he goes kind of our guide. And I hadn't run at all that week because I wasn't sure where I could run or if it was safe or what I should wear. And I was just after the trial. So I wasn't that interested in it. Um, but all week was just like, man, there's these like amazing dirt roads and trails and the roads are so quiet and it's just beautiful there. And so somehow running came up. Um, we were all sitting on a campfire in the Sahara like, I think part of it was because we were probably a bottle of wine in at that point and just like, <laughs> we bring some people to come running here. And I was working in the running industry at a company called Road Running in Austin, um, Texas, that trains basically adult runners in different training groups and things. And I was a coach at that point. And I, it wasn't a business idea. It was just like, I'll try to convince 10 people I coach to like come here and we'll go running for a week. And it was going to be a one-time kind of fun thing. And we, I don't know, we got really set on the idea and so went back ran the idea by my boss um and it's a small business so it was very like whatever you want to do just make it happen and we'll see so i threw it in a newsletter and 22 people signed up to go to morocco with allison and gabe which <laughs> kind of shocking at the time um but yeah we did that first trip and you know we've learned a lot since then but overall it was a ton of fun and a big success and everything it's just kind of snowballed from there so um, I'd say within a couple of years, it felt like a real business and a real, a real thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. So Allison, you're an Olympic trials qualifier. So you have all this running experience under your belt. Have you been running your whole life or how did that start? Pretty much. Um, I grew up playing basketball. That's pretty much what I did from, I think, first grade on. And then of course, like in middle school to play basketball, you also had to run track. I mean, I was always a good runner, but I was more focused on the team sports. Um, and then somewhere, I guess it was my sophomore year in high school, I got convinced to come out for the cross country team. And I really did it just to get a friend off my back. I didn't really want to do it. Um, I didn't think it sounded fun at all, but I went and kind of quickly, um, long story short, I was too shy to tell the coaches that I didn't really want to do it. And so when they kept signing me up for things. I just kind of kept showing up because I was too scared to quit and kind of got put into a race and found out right away that I was really good at it, a lot better than I was at basketball. <laughs> and um, yeah, that kind of got me into it and ended up running in college, uh, D2 at University of Tampa. And then after that was when I moved to Austin and eventually kind of got um, involved with road running. And then they later had a post-collegiate development team. Um, I didn't really intend to run seriously after college. I figured I would always run, but not um, trying to do anything really beyond maybe local 5Ks and stuff. And um, yeah, but I kind of got involved in the pro team Rogue Athletic Club. And next thing I know, I'm all eyes focused on the Olympic trials. So um, yeah, I've run three of them now, 2012, 2016, and 2020. And um, yeah, it's been a really, really cool ride. Really neat thing to get to kind of dip my toe into. Yeah, Absolutely. that is cool. Now, Gabe, how did you get into running or are you just trying to keep up with Allison? Well, I'm, I'm definitely not the decorated athlete that Allison is. <laughs> um, 
I would say I'm more into the adventure sports. Um, in high school, I ran very little. Uh, I was into team sports. I played tennis. And um, running was just kind of one of those things you did to, to maintain some fitness. Um, in college, I started running a little bit more. Uh, I think I realized like the less time you have in your schedule, the easier it was to go out for a run and, and maintain some fitness. Um, I was, I think it was, it was definitely after college, kind of once you're in the professional world, your schedule is tighter and tighter and you have less and less time. So running was like my main sport then. And then when I met Allison, uh, my running definitely picked up. <laughs> just trying to keep up with her. I was going to say, when we first met, I was actually kind of in the middle of a year-long injury. I had a pelvic fracture. So I wasn't actually running when we met. And I don't know if you quite understood what I meant when oh, I, I had, said that I, I was no a runner. Because uh, I wasn't really <laughs> all in. Um, but he's, he's learned. <laughs> I, I think, too, for me, I was always into the adventure sports, climbing, kayaking, mountain biking. And, you know, those are very gear-intensive, time-intensive. You always need a partner, someone to go with. And running was kind of this great thing you could do on your own on business trips. I could throw a pair of running shoes in my pack and go out and explore. And that led into trail running and getting into the mountains and getting further and further in. So that's kind of more my take on running is for the adventure side of it, rather than like running a marathon for, you know, a sub four hour marathon or three hour marathon or whatever your time goals are. Totally. Yeah. You, you and I sound like kindred spirits on, on that level, man. I, I was definitely the same way. Love, Natalie was actually running. She hadn't gotten anywhere near her peak yet, but she was definitely, I knew what I was getting into and I was just trying to hang on for dear life for the most <laughs> in the very beginning. <laughs> our, our equalizer for Allison and I is when we were on like technical trails because she could always outrun me anything flat and fast. But if we got in technical terrain, I had a chance of, of keeping up with her. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So you guys, um, you know, you decided to invite, you know, to invite some friends to go on this trip to run in Morocco and 22 people sign up. Were you, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yes. You know, that people would, you know, obviously they think so much of you and they know you guys know what you're doing and they're like, all right, we're all signing up. We're all going to go on this trip. So when that happened, what, what did you do next? Well, well, I would say, um, looking back, you know, there's a lot of excitement going into like, we're going to do this thing and put it all together. And honestly, looking back, um, we have to give a lot of credit to the guys we work with in Morocco because they were the masterminds of that first trip. Um, we'd been there, but we weren't there trying to plan a running trip. We met him towards the end of our time there. Um, truly looking back, we kind of knew what we were doing the first trip, but <laughs> you know. sure. I don't, I don't even know that I would go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of through my job there. It was a road running thing. So we had that brand trust. Um, people did know me because I was a coach and I was a fairly well-known kind of athlete in that community. Um, so they trusted me as a person, which is really good. Um, we knew we were going to make it good. We weren't going to let it be bad, but I feel like we were pretty much figuring it out as we went that first time. That's your recollection. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Allison hit the nail on the head. We relied a lot on the guys on the ground in Morocco. Um, you know, we were in Morocco on a vacation. We weren't there to scout a trip. And, you know, it, it wasn't a business idea. Like we, we just thought it'd be fun to bring back 10 friends and everyone kind of pay their own way. And 
we go run some cool places in Morocco and drink some wine in the sand dunes and, you know, watch the stars at night and, and hang out. Um, and yeah, it just sort of morphed into, into what it is today. Yeah. Someone on that first trip, um, she had a contact who also lives in Austin, but he's Kenyan and, and he had a regular corporate job, but with his free time, he would run small group trips um, back to Kenya and she had gone on one with him and, you know, she was like, oh, your trip and his trip are the two best I've ever done. You guys should meet. And I don't think Kenya was really on my radar at that point. I did not want to go there. I just hadn't really thought about it too much. Um, so we get introduced to this guy, Knuthia in Austin. We all hit it off instantly. Um, next thing we know, we're flying to Kenya to go plan a running trip. And that was kind of our second big destination. And it's kind of just gone from there. It's a lot of just meeting the right people. Um, you know, kind of when you, you know, you know, when you know, um, when you meet the right people. And we've had a lot of uh, really good fortuitous connections like that as we built the company. That's cool. Now, you keep falling into these opportunities just because you're following your passion, right? Of travel and running. And the, so at what point, what was that inflection point where you said, okay, this is a business and we're going to take it to that level and that consistency? I was in, I was in corporate construction management working, you know, on stressful projects, long hours. And, um, you know, we had this idea and I didn't have really a whole lot of time to, to invest into it. Um, and it wasn't until we decided to run Morocco trips the following year. Um, we ended up running two trips in the spring and then one in the fall. Correct. Yep. Is that the sequence? Yep. Yeah. So this would have been 2014 at that point. And that's when I, you know, put aside my construction financial spreadsheets and started putting some numbers down to see like what would it take to scale us up to make like a livable wage. And that's when the light bulb went off and I, yeah, it, it could be done for sure. And in early 2014 to do those second Morocco trips, I mean, you had used all your vacation, you had a five week sabbatical, you used up everything. So we were kind of at that point of we're either going to do it or we're not because he can't keep taking time off work. When I quit my construction job, when I gave my notice, I think I was negative 30 days of vacation time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so at that point, you guys knew you were all in. You were going to make this work no matter what. It was sink or swim. Yep. Now, how did you come up with the list of locations? Because I mean, I've read, I'm reading that like you do excursions to Ireland, Morocco, Kenya, Patagonia, which seems amazing, Slovenia and Croatia, South Africa, British Columbia. Lake Tahoe in Oregon. Those are like all, I, I personally, I'm, I'm thinking, I want to, re I really want to do the Ireland trip. Um, cause we, we've gone to Ireland before, but we were only there for like less than a week. And I was like, it was just enough to like wet my appetite. And I'm like, I definitely want to come back and like run everywhere. But how did you come up with this list of, um, yeah. destinations? It's been really organic, honestly. Um, I would say the only ones we've really sought out, like where we said we want to go there and need to find somebody to work with, um, was probably Patagonia and then Bend. Um, we came up here just because we wanted to develop a trip here. Um, everywhere else, honestly, has been a result of somebody connecting us to somebody who either has connections to that place. Um, because when we're working overseas, we're always working with partners in that country. Um, we're trying to, um, you have people who are helping with logistics on the ground to know people, speak the language, all these things. It's a big team effort. Um, and so having the right people to work with is key. And honestly, it's just come about. I feel like a lot of it through our trips and that network gets bigger and bigger. And 
people have just introduced us to people and you just kind of know when you strike the right chord. Um, so that's really, really how it's been. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I agree with that. And now how about like, you know, like say for instance, like you're planning a trip, you, you have the location, like you said, you've been connected somehow and you're like, all right, let's, let's have our trip here. You know, is it, did you find that it was hard or difficult to find the right, you know, like hotels or bed and breakfast where you're going to stay and like vetting that whole process and the whole safety process of having a, a group of people with you and um, kind of walk us through a little bit how you, you know, vet everything and make sure that it all kind of runs seamlessly. Um, yeah, I think it's an ever-changing process. You know, that initial, we'll typically scout the destination, you know, a year plus um, before we intend to take clients there. Um, you know, we always say if we want to get eight good runs out of a, out of a location, then we need to have, we need to go scout, you know, 15 runs because um, only half of them are going to work out. There's just a lot of logistics with having different distance options, um, you know, vehicle checkpoints where they can get snacks or first aid situations, or if someone, you know, wants to run a shorter distance. Um, so yeah, there's typically, you know, half of those runs will work out with hotels and stuff. I feel like we'll have a great set of hotels, um, that work out perfectly with in each of the locations. And then, you know, a year later we'll hear of a new hotel or, or, you know, management changes. And so that's sort of an evolving process. Um, every year we try to make the trip better and better. So, um, it's just, it's constantly changing. And we really try like with accommodation and stuff for as much as possible to kind of deal with family run bed and breakfast, boutique places. Um, ideally we get stay in places where we can book the entire place. Um, so it's just our group there. Um, but really kind of make a point to use places where we can get to know the owners and, have an ongoing relationship. And so once you find that right fit, like things get a lot easier because they rely on us coming. We rely on going there. Um, but yeah, definitely I would say a lot of scouting and planning. Um, it's a lot of finding what won't work as much as it is finding what will work. <laughs> um, some, some good scouting trip stories. <laughs> I was going to say that, that sounds like it's a great, <laughs> just like, Hey, it's a business trip. Got to go again. Sorry. Oh man. It's a business trip. Got to go again. <laughs> <laughs> How long are your excursions? Um, it all depends. Most of our international trips are somewhere between eight and 10 days. And then historically our domestic Bend and Tahoe trips were five days. We're actually changing that to six this year. We kind of changed the style. So um, yeah, six to 10 days, all depending on the destination. So, okay, tell us what is the craziest thing that's ever happened while you've been on a trip and how did you guys deal with it? <laughs> Patagonia, is that a last story? Which Patagonia story? Shackleton. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, we have some good ones. Um, but our very first year in Patagonia, I think it was 2015 um, in January or March that year, and we did two groups in a row. And so we started that trip at that time. We chartered this boat from Juntarenas that basically takes us out to the Strait of Magellan. Um, you're kind of out in this area where really only scientific expeditions go. You're kind of off the last bit of land. The next thing down is Antarctica. Um, you're way out there. I mean, it's whale watching, it's glaciers. It's just total wilderness. Yeah, there's glaciers calving off into the ocean right in front of you. I mean, it's, it's super, super cool. 
Yeah, it's um, really, really special. There's no running really involved in the first two days, but there is an open bar on the boat and we get to do all this really cool stuff. So we charter the whole boat just for our group. So it's a cool bonding experience. You get 15 strangers, throw them on a boat together for two days. Um, so the first group was all smooth. Um, one of the little excursions off the boat, you get in the Zodiacs, like the kind of inflatable rubber rafts. And you kind of, we, there's this little cove we went into. And so there's a big glacier in the cove and there's this big rock coming out of the water so people could get off the boat, stand on the rock. They poured whiskey on glacier ice and you just kind of take it all in for a bit. So first week goes smooth. Um, second week, we come back to do the trip again with a new group and we go to do the same little excursion. So we're on the Zodiacs, um, two different Zodiacs. So the group's split in half. Um, obviously there's an actual boat captain on each one, um, Chilean boat captain. And we're going out and we're on the boat you can so we're going up the inlet um massive glacier i mean the size of a skyscraper it's it's huge um and we're kind of going off to the side and there's this big round granite rock that we can kind of get the zodiacs up to and everyone can get out um sit there have drinks watch the glacier you you know it's cracking and little pieces are, are breaking off here and there and we were on the side we heard a it sounded like a cannon going off this huge boom and we couldn't see anything, but we could hear it. And later, a, a, few, a minute or two later, the waves from that uh, glacier calving had kind of pushed all this ice to the side. I mean, it was like, you know, this ice that you could easily drive the Zodiacs between, but now those waves and the ice is now coming up over the top of the granite rock that a few of us were standing on like it's <laughs> terrifying to have these thousand pound plus pieces of ice just sliding up over it <laughs> with with you standing on there so the zodiacs had to get away um because they were gonna get in trouble uh so there's only a few of us left on the rock the wave settled down and then the zodiacs timed it just right so they would go up and then pick up one person and back away before the next wave came and um yeah, we got everyone picked up safely. Everyone's back on the Zodiac and we're trying to get back to the, the big boat, the mothership. And these chunks of ice have seemed to like lock together and we were stuck. Like we were literally surrounded by ice. We could not motor through it. There was nowhere to go. <laughs> like we had the paddles. They were trying to like ramp the boats up and break the ice with the motors. They couldn't do that. Like, yeah, some of the Chilean guides were... It's like hanging off the front of these boats, like trying to break it with their feet. Nothing was happening. So we had to radio in for the big boat to come break the ice and like motor through real slow and, and create a pathway so that we could get back to the boat. But. And a mistake we made on unknowingly is when we loaded everybody onto the Zodiacs, just being polite, we put all the clients on before us. We got on last, um, which meant that we were in the same boat. So Gabe and I are in the same boat. Uh, we also happened to be in the boat with an English speaking captain and our only Spanish speaking client. The other boat has all <laughs> English speaking clients and they're away. So we can see each other, but we're kind of too far to talk. So we have, we know the big boat is an icebreaker. It's coming. Like it's going to take a little bit, but like, it's fine. It's coming to get us, but we can't communicate that to everyone on the other boat. Uh, we also had the cooler with the whiskey in it. So our groups, you know, they're fine because they know the boat's going to drink whiskey. Everybody else, I think, was probably a little borderline panicked in the moment. Um, 
you know, and so long story short, we get everybody back on. And I mean, to this day, it's still everyone's favorite travel story. I think the <laughs> most harrowing moments are your best stories. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a high stress day in the life of a guide. <laughs> yeah. And we capped it off with dinner that night. We were watching the movie um, Shackleton um, <laughs> where they're you know, the boat is the, you know, the Ernest Shackleton story where the boat's trapped in ice and they have to survive for like a year off the land. Um, so we watched that movie right after we were stuck. Oh <laughs> we empathize what they were going through. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like, you know, one of your job descriptions as, you know, the owners and the guides on this is that you have to have nerves of steel. Like, cause I feel like you'd have to be so patient and like, think about, okay, how do we get ourselves out of this and like not panic or at least not let our, our guests <laughs> know that we're panicking and kudos to you guys for, for getting yourselves out of that smoothly. Yeah. We've often said the you know, we get a lot of emails from a lot of people. They're like, I love running and traveling. I Can I work for you guys? And we're kind of like, well, the number one most important quality here is what do you do when everything goes wrong? Um, that's really the most important thing in any kind of travel situation. <laughs> Definitely in business and travel. Absolutely. What happens when it all is going nuts and you got to like compose in the whole bit. So <laughs> good job. <laughs> well, and also before, so before we talk about Bend, which I'm super excited to talk about where you guys live in Bend, Oregon, I have one more question about um, Rogue Expeditions. So, um, you know, when you have, when you book your, your guests, I'm sure that you have different levels of runners. So how do you guys navigate through that? Like if some people are just, you know, run at a certain speeds and levels and then other people, how do you guys um, deal with that? Yeah, it's a, it's a different formula for every trip and every run. Um, but ultimately our goal is that the vast majority, there's one or two exceptions, but pretty much every run on every trip is, has flexible distances or several different options. So part of why we think we've been successful is that we do cater to all ability levels. So we've had people that are run walking three or four miles a day, and then other people that are running, you know, 10 to 14 miles a day. Um, so yeah, the formula is a little different. Sometimes it's a matter of trail marking. Um, sometimes we have maps, sometimes we have we have apps as backup. There's a million different ways. We'll have vehicle support on some trips um, where there's road access. Um, yeah, it's a it's a different formula for each one. And so we kind of try to plan each run, knowing that we're going to have people at different paces, um, you know, wanting to do different distances, try to make sure people are finishing in a comfortable spot. Like you'll have lunch waiting at the end or if we're in Ireland where it's likely going to be freezing and raining, a place they can go inside. Because we don't want people just sitting on the side of the road waiting, you know, no one wants to wait or be waited on. So, yeah, I think the number one question we get from people who have some anxiety about coming on one of these running trips is, A, am I going to hold up the group? And, you know, B, am I too slow to join your group? And the answer is always like we literally cater to every everyone, um, you know, any speed, any distance of runner. And the, the way we set up the finishes there, you know, your the group is never waiting on you. Um, you know, there's always a lunch picnic, uh, you're at the hotel or, you know, some sightseeing venue or something so that people are busy, people are occupied. Um, they're not just sitting there waiting for you to cross the finish line. So you never feel like you're the last runner. Yeah. And it's, I mean, these are small group trips and it's the two of us. We have another full-time, um, guide, Sean, and then another guy, Katie, who's worked a lot with us. And 
you know, we're paying close attention. When people sign up for a trip, we have 10 people in the group. We know who's coming, what their ability levels are. We're planning, we're already thinking ahead about the week and how we'll structure different runs um, for those exact people. You know, this isn't just kind of a plug and play thing. Um, there's a lot of a lot of tweaking that goes on to customize it for that group. That Absolutely. is so cool. I mean, honestly, you guys, I know it, I know how hard you guys work and I know it's a business. But it honestly, that sounds like a dream job to me because <laughs> I mean, that's why we ended up starting this podcast because we love traveling and running. So I'm just like, I could talk to you guys forever about it's just so cool. So congrats to you guys for, for doing this. And yeah. we're going to, we'll talk about where everybody can find you at the end, but people go as travel starting to open up, everyone go talk to Allison and Gabe about getting on one of these awesome trips. So cool. Bend Oregon. Bend, Oregon. That's where you guys live. We can't wait to talk to you. So tell us a little bit about how long have you guys been living in Bend? Not even a year. Yeah, just since May of 2020. Um, we bought, so we've been guiding trips here since 2014. Yep. Um, and we fell in love with it the first time we came here. And, you know, we got a realtor here in 2015 um, and clearly never bought a house. Um, but every summer it would show up and be like, Ryan, let's go look at some houses. I think we're ready. And we were never really ready. Um, and then finally 2019, we just decided, you know what, we're going to do it. This is where we want to be. So, um, yeah, we bought a house at the end of 2019, having no idea what was about to happen and closed in January of last year. And then we thought we'd be traveling for the first half of the year. So we didn't plan to move until the summer. Um, and then of course COVID happened and We've been here since May of last year. <laughs> getting all the DIY home projects done, right? <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I have not, we have not been to Bend yet, but we've heard how beautiful it is there. Will you guys tell us where is your favorite place or places to run in Bend? Well, it depends on the season, um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out a summer favorite. Um it's not unknown at all, but there is a trail called Green Lakes. Um, this is out Cascade Lakes Highway. So it's really only runnable July through early November. Um, it's under snow the rest of the time. Um, but it's it's into the Three Sisters Wilderness. So a lot of people go out there to go backpacking and camping. But there's a really nice way you can kind of do a nine mile out and back or a 13 mile loop up there. And it's just a great mix. It starts down in the forest. You're next to a river. You've got a waterfall. Um, Eventually, you kind of get up to the base of South Sister, um, which is one of the large mountains here. And there's a bunch of alpine lakes and just this beautiful single track. It's not technical. You can just run mindlessly. Um, it's just a really, really magical place. Um, it gets extremely crowded. So, you know, for me in the summer, I would go out there at 6 a.m. in the summer. And it's amazing. You can be the only person out there the whole time. Um, but, yeah, that's probably my top top if I were choosing. Yeah. And I think for me, it's similar area, but I would go, I would have Allison, uh, be my shuttle bunny and drop me off at a place called three creeks trailhead, which is on the other side of green lakes. And so this is just a lot less people, um, and basically run a ridge line all the way from three creeks trailhead to, um, no name Lake, which is at the base of broken top mountain. Um, and then from there down to Todd Lake. And so that whole thing is about a 13 mile run point to point. And it sounds like Allison's uh, first option is, like you said, not very technical, 
for you, Gabe, is it a little more technical since you kind of like that adventure yeah. side a, a bit more? If I get to use my hands and my feet on a run, I consider that a success. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you know what you're in for. You're running with Gabe, get, get your hands dirty. You're running with Allison. You can just run free a little more. <laughs> Yeah, that route you mentioned has a little bit of scrambling in there. There's a little bit of off-trail adventure, so it's definitely cool. a game run. Now, on e any of these, as you're out in the wilderness, I'm always asking the safety question. Um, beyond people, you know, overcrowding or what have you, are there any things you need to watch out for? Uh, I don't know if it's it's bears, mountain lions, or anything, or is it pretty just you don't you're not going to run into too much wildlife that you have to think about. Not much here. Technically, there are bears in the Cascades, but I don't, they're rare on this side. Um, there are mountain lions in the area, but again, chances are so yeah. low. You may be once a year here of somebody seeing one. Um, so they're there, but I would say that's not really high on my list of things I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, I would yeah. say the most dangerous part is getting in your car and driving to the trailhead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That uh, but yeah, with any, I mean, trail running, if you're going to go up by yourself in the wilderness, I mean, there's, you know, we've done a lot of wilderness first responder classes and there's just basic precautions. I mean, I think always have a basic first aid kit, let someone know where you're going. Um, silly little things can become a big problem if you don't, you know, a rolled ankle, if you're eight miles out and it starts raining could be a problem. Um, you know, so just kind of basic precautions, but generally pretty, pretty low key on the safety scale. Yep. Those are always good bits of advice to, to repeat over and over. Yeah. Yeah. The small things can become huge problems if you don't prepare. Um, okay. So what about food? Um, I've heard a lot of, you know, good things about the food in your town and beer and all sorts of stuff. So give us the lowdown. Where should we ha eat and get something to drink? Well, funny thing is, is we've eaten out like twice since we've been here because of COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> But we've, we've been, we spent so much time here in the summers. Uh, we definitely have our favorites. Yeah, I think that, I mean, always our top choice for food is a restaurant called Wild Rose. Um, they do northern style Thai food. Um, we're very partial to Thai food anyway. That's mostly what we cook at home. But um, this is one of the only restaurants we found in the U.S. that does kind of the northern, more rustic style. And it's, I mean, it's as good or better as anything we ever had in Thailand. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a secret. Everyone knows about it. But um, I would say Wild Rose is definitely um, a place nobody should miss if they come to Bend. Um, yeah, I think Spork is another kind of fusion, Asian, Mexican fusion kind of place. Mm -hmm. um, they have really good food. And, I mean, I think if you come to Bend and you don't go to a brewery, um, then there's something wrong because there's, <laughs> there's 20, 30, we're close to 30 breweries. Um, I think it's one of the highest per capita brewery rates that there is in the U S. Um, but Crux, uh, Crux brewery is a, probably our favorite. They've got a huge lawn and you get great sunsets over the cascade. You can see Mount bachelor, the three sisters broken top. Um, so you can see the, watch the show of the sky turning all the different colors, purples and blues and oranges and reds um, while you sit there and drink your beer. And yeah, they've got fire pits and music and taco trucks and all kinds of stuff. It's a great place to go hang out. 
Sounds like I know what I want to do for summer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds amazing. Like I knew you guys were known. I know, you know, a new bend was known for having breweries, but I didn't realize how many, and that just sounds pretty special. There's a lot, you know, we're still working our way through all of them, but we've hit probably half at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No shortage. What about like, like, like a brunch place? Like say we go on a morning trail run and then we just want to like pop in somewhere for a good breakfast or brunch. Do you have a place you recommend? Um, yes. A couple of really good ones. Um, there's a place called Jackson's Corner. Um, they're also great for dinner as well. Um, but that's a really, really good brunch option. I know they do homemade cinnamon rolls that sell out every single day. Um, they've got a huge breakfast brunch um, kind of selection. And then I would say Sparrow Bakery also. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sparrow. They have two locations. One is actually right next to Crux. So you could just go drink beer right afterwards. Um, but yeah, in terms of baked goods, and they've got some really, really good sandwiches, coffee, all of that. Um, that's kind of my post long run go to. Nice. Sounds good. Nice. Outside of crashing at your place, which I'm sure you're <laughs> happy to have all of our, our listeners do, uh, <laughs> where would you recommend, uh, you know, a good place like you, same way with your expeditions, a good local place to, to stay, you know, bed and breakfast or boutique hotel, anything you recommend there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Mill Inn is locally owned. They're a small uh, bed and breakfast I think they have 10, 10, 10 rooms, 10, 10 rooms. Um, and they're all themed, you know, for some part around Bend or Central Oregon. Um, they do an amazing breakfast. Uh, that's actually you, where you want to eat breakfast. Yeah, that's where you want to eat <laughs> breakfast. But, you know, all the eggs, bacon, scones. Um, so waffles. Waffles oh, with God. all their homemade syrups and everything, toppings that go on that. Um, you definitely don't want to run right after you eat breakfast there. Uh, but the middle end is great. It's located like right downtown, right in the middle of all the action. Uh, you've got coffee shops all around you. You can walk to the river right there. Um, it's really centrally located. They've got a hot tub, a whole patio out back where you can sit and read your book in the morning, just relax. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit more out in the woods, um, there's a place called Loge, Lodge, Lodge, L-O-G-E. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like a, a restored, um, uh, motel, motel um, but it's catered toward adventures and you're literally right there at the base of some of the trails. Um, you can get down to the Deschutes river. Um, there's hiking, biking, running trails, um, right there. They have a bike wash station. Um, so they're really they're good outdoor for, gathering spaces. So yeah. They're kind of catering to your mountain bikers, runners, that kind of thing. Um, um, and then the Airbnb game is super strong here. I mean, that's, yeah. you really can't go wrong. Ben's a really good size. There's not really a bad area of town. Um, ideally of course, being near downtown near the river, um, or kind of Southwest puts you that much closer to the mountains and the trails and all of that. Um, but honestly, really, you're never that far from anything. Um, five, 10 minutes really to get anywhere you want to go in town and everything has bike paths and it's runnable, walkable, all of that. So, um, yeah, it kind of comes down to just what's available. <laughs> with either of those, well, it sounds like the latter, you definitely are right at the base of the trails, but even with the B and B that you recommended, are you walking distance or, or, or a quick drive from your trails or some of those runs you recommended or? Yes and no. There's, there's some urban trails, um, along the Deschutes river. 
um, which actually turns into like a forested single track, um, which is actually right outside our door. Um, and it comes all the way up here. You know, there's a footbridge to get over and there's so many distance options. So you can do an urban run in town. You can extend it and get up into a single track forest. Um, depending on the length of your run, yes, you can, you can run straight from the mill in, but there are some short, easy options to get up in the morning and go for a quick run or something like that. Cool. What about races um, in your, in, in Bend? Do you have any races that you, that you love? You know, I haven't gotten to do many yet. When we've been here, we've always been guiding our trips, um, not really getting to race, but there are. So there's not much in the way of road running here, road racing, I should say. Um, there is a Bend Marathon. I believe it's typically in April. I know this year it's virtual. Um, and that's a road race. There's a marathon, half marathon, 10K. Um, but otherwise, it's a pretty good year-round selection of local trail races that go on. None of them are huge, but they're all, they also make a ton of fun. Um, the main, the big run specialty store in town is called Foot Zone. And their website's kind of the go-to where they consolidate all of that. Um, like, I know there's one coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, called the Horse Butte 10 Miler. It's a 10 mile trail run and they actually have a division only for people who wear denim and you can only set a course record if you're wearing jeans when you do it. Um, so people, they have a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of, you know, and you get a little bit outside of Bend into the mountains and there's some good ultras here over the summer. Um, Alpine running puts on some really, really good kind of 50 miler, 50k type races as well. One of the trails that interests me the most and is supposedly a ton of fun, it's been canceled uh, last year and this year, but it's called the pull pedal paddle. So it involves cross country skiing, mountain biking, um, and, uh, kayaking. So you kind of get, it's not exactly running, but yeah, it's a little, little bit endurance. of an adventure endurance sports there mixed in. Um, and I think there's some costume categories as well, uh, for that race. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, that does sound good. I like, I've gotten into cross country skiing and I like kayaking. So I think that could do that would be up my alley. That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be really fun. Do they supply a stick of glide for the <laughs> denim category? Because the chafing just, oh, we're running in <laughs> denim. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to bring your own for that. Bring your own, especially during COVID. COVID oh. friendly. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to give away a stick. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that should definitely man. be in the, the race pack is oh man denim <laughs> um okay all right you guys so i know you know it seems like i mean we know bend is like known for its natural beauty but is there any place that like a local like a a place of interest that you're like when you come here other than all the beautiful trail running you have to go here or see or do this um, let's see, in terms of sightseeing, I mean, it's kind of, it's not really running because you can drive up and see, but I think seeing Tumalo Falls is something everyone in Bend should do. It's really close to town. Um, you can go for a hike or a run and do some great trails and get, go as far as you ever want to go out there. Um, but you can also drive up and just see the waterfall. Um, and then the Deschutes Brewery Tour is a lot of fun. Um, I know those were paused last year because of COVID, but hopefully those will start again. Um, but they do daily tours every day where they'll show you the facility, um, kind of learn a lot behind their process. And then of course the fun part is you get to sample a whole bunch of their beer at the end, um, <laughs> which is a ton of fun. That's yeah. Amazing. I think, um, a couple other suggestions, they have a, a lava tube cave that you can go into. It's really, really cool. Um, so you're literally inside an old lava tube underground 
Um, we've taken our groups there uh, a few times and I always like going there. It's pretty interesting when you're underground inside this tube, imagining it being filled with, with lava. Um, what else? You're here in the summer. I mean, tubing down the Deschutes River through town, that's a typical just throw yourself in an inner tube and float down. They typically run shuttles that go all day. So um, that's a ton of fun. Um, if you want a little more white water, a little more fun, there's multiple companies in town that do rafting trips mm -hmm. um, south of here where the bigger water is. Um, there's got how many lakes? I'd say you if, you, if you have an afternoon and you want to go spend some time on a lake on a paddleboard, um, go out to Hosmer Lake and um, yeah, it's beautiful. There's no motor boats allowed. So it's, it's kind of like a marshy lake and there's like almost like a, a road through the, through the marsh uh, that you can paddle through and it comes out into a bigger open lake area. But every time we go out there, you see bald eagles, ospreys. Um, uh, there's thousands of trout that you can literally see, you know, in the lake as you paddle past. And um, once you're done paddling, you can drive a few minutes to Elk Lake and they have a really cool restaurant right on the lake. You can watch people sailboat, watch the sunset. They've got great burgers and sandwiches and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Sounds like a plan. I think the city of Bend should hire you guys for their marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they want to market themselves I anymore. I don't think they need marketing. <laughs> I know. I feel like it was, it seemed like it was kind of like a hidden gem and now everybody like is talking about it, but it sounds, I, I can see why it sounds stunning there. Um, now, do you guys have a favorite season? I mean, I know you've been there a year now, but what's, what's been your favorite season so far? You know, I mean, it's, we've been really happy. So winter was the big unknown. I personally had never lived anywhere with winter before. I've lived in Texas and Florida my whole life. So it was a big question mark as to what it would be like living next to a ski resort with snow. And it's been really mild in town. Um, you can drive 20 minutes and go ski until between November and June. Um, but in town, like we might get snow in the morning, but it's gone by lunch. It's been really nice. Um, all of that said, I mean, it's hard to beat like July as far as just stunning beauty. It's kind of the snow's gone, the wildflowers are out. Um, temperatures are really nice. Um, but I really liked October this year. I think it's because all the tourists went home. Um, it was still warm enough. There wasn't snowing yet. You could still get out in the mountain runs, but everybody disappeared. Um, I really enjoyed October. <laughs> yeah, I think the best season is the non-tourist season. Um, anytime that there's no tourists. So like September seems to start to die down. And like Allison said, September, October is perfect. There's still no snow up in the mountains. So you can go out for big mountain runs. Um, you know, you can park right there at the trailhead. It's everything's easy access. Um, and yeah, you're not out there sharing the trail with a ton of other people. So yeah, there's a reason people come July and August. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Oh my gosh, you guys, this has been so awesome. Um, Allison, I wanted to ask you, are you, do you have your eyes set on another Olympic trials marathon qualifier in 2024? At this point, I don't, I'll never, never say never, but you know, even going into the 2020 trials, I'd say my, my motivation was definitely on its way down. Um, I qualified in early 2018. So two years before the trials. And I mean, I've been training and racing since I was 14 and I'm 36 now. So 
you know, I wanted to go. I'm glad I went. I'm really glad I went, especially since it was kind of the last thing that happened. Um, but I don't really have the fire I used to have to train and compete like that. Um, I'm really having fun doing more trail running, just getting to explore, build this business. Um, so yeah, it, it, I could get interested again, but at this point, um, no real plans. I think I'm, that ship has sailed for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so did, Gabe, does that mean you're going to start picking up some road races and sh- you'll switch in terms of who's supporting <laughs> whom in the training? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you'll get me in a road race, um, <laughs> maybe a, a marathon or something like that. There you go. Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. Uh, you guys, this is so great. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us and, and telling us about rogue expeditions, as well as all the beautiful places to visit and bend. We can't wait to come visit and we'd love to come and run with you guys sometime. We'd love to have you guys here. Let us know if you do. Got lots yeah. of space and we're good tour guides. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds great. Now you've you've got a lot of choices here because of what you you all do. But if you could run anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? <laughs> oh man, you go first. I think I want to go back to Peru. Um, I actually lived uh, for a short time in Huaraz, Peru, up in the Cordillera Blanca mountain range, and. I dabbled in some trail running, some mountain trail running back then, but I wasn't as confident in my skill set, safety uh, protocols as I am now. And I'd love to go back with some dedicated time to explore more in the Cordillera Blanca uh, mountain range. Nice. Oh, now it's my turn. Um, (laughs) That's a really hard question. Um, But I guess at the moment, a place I'd really like to go explore more of um, we do one of our trips um, is in Slovenia and the Julian Alps there are just absolutely beautiful. And so our trip goes, we do a couple of runs down there, but again, being kind of new, getting kind of into more mountain running and bigger stuff like that. Um, there's some really, really big runs, hut to hut type stuff you can do up in the mountains there um, that really intrigued me just from a self-support standpoint. Um, so I'm going to call that my answer right now. It's pretty solid. But my answer could be different on any day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a great place to start. I haven't been to either one of those places. Yeah. So that, yeah, I definitely putting those on my list too. Getting, get out on the trails and get a little technical in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm up for anything. All right, you guys, where can everybody find you? So our website is rogueexpeditions.com. There's only one E in the URL. So between rogue and expeditions, it's a single E. Um, you'll know it because there will be runners on the website. Um, and then we are also on Instagram and Facebook as at Rogue Expeditions. Again, just the one E there in the middle. Um, anytime through the website, if you have questions, you hit the little generic looking contact button that comes straight to me and Gabe. So um, very easy to get a hold of us. And yeah, we're pretty active on social media. So you can see lots of cool photos and kind of get a feel for what we do. Sounds good. And you guys are opening up trips in 2021. Is that right? We are. So at the moment, we are backloading the year. It's kind of our strategy. So our first scheduled trip is in July. And it'll kind of be a case-by-case basis as borders open. Um, But we have reason to believe we'll be able to pull off most, if not all, of our scheduled trips. And hopefully by the end of the year, we're back to just normal, knowing we can go places. Um, But yeah, we just opened registration yesterday. Good way to go. And new people as well. So you know, I think people are itching and they just need those borders to open. (laughs) I know. I feel like as the vaccinations are rolling out, like everyone is just starting to get so excited. The travel itch is 
happening and people are wanting to travel this summer. So this is going to be great. Um, we're excited for you guys. Everybody go follow Gabe and Allison um, at, at Rogue Expeditions. Sign up for one of their beautiful excursions. And you guys are awesome. I love what you're doing. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys. It was thanks, really nice. Thanks for having us. Let us know if you ever come to Ben's. You got it. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, great information. So thank you again. Thanks, guys. A huge thank you to Allison and Gabe for coming on the show. Allison and Gabe, thank you for everything that you're doing for the running community. And Rogue Expeditions is a brilliant business idea. We can't wait to join you sometime very soon on one of your international adventure trips. Everybody, go and follow Allison and Gabe on their website, rogueexpeditions.com, and they're also on Instagram and Facebook at Rogue Expeditions. You know, travel is beginning to open up again, and this is actually the perfect type of trip. Sounds like a lot of fun. Go follow us at Sweet Run, Nat Runs Far, and on SweetRun.com. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and definitely subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Thank you again to our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is offering 25% off its entire store for our listeners. Just visit insidetracker.com slash sweetrun. You guys, we are huge fans of Inside Tracker. They make it so easy to find out what's going on inside your body. You just go and have your blood drawn. They do a complete analysis and tell you what it is that you're missing so that you can become a better athlete and a better person. So definitely go and take advantage of this offer. Join us next week for another great conversation with an awesome runner living in a great location. We'll see you then. We will see you then.